Hey, yeah. Check. One, two, three. Hey, this is a normal speaking voice, right? One, two, three. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for the most part, a little, a little excited, but maybe it's just the energy you're going to bring today. It might be the energy I'm going to bring. Yeah, Let's go fields of work. We're going to go to the fields of work and we're going to do some work. And that work is talking to each other because this field of work is a podcast. Your, your intro one. songs always go longer than I expect. I always think you're going to do like one <laughs> verse. Longer, like verse. longer than you hope. <laughs> um, hey, Max. Uh, hey, on. welcome. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about the next <laughs> thing that we do. I'm still new to this. Uh, this is Fields of Work, a podcast about work and brothers. And I'm one of the brothers, and his name is Sam. Uh, um, and I'm Max. Are you a brother? I, I am a brother. And which, which work do you do? You do? Uh, I, right now it doesn't feel like I do much, but I normally farm vegetables. Oh, okay. Why aren't you doing much nowadays? I mean, weather, man. <laughs> that's how seasons okay. work. Um, I mean, I don't want to break this down for you, but that's pretty much, I mean, I'll, I'll say this much, uh, before we get too deep in the episode, I'm doing more farming in March than I normally would. Um, that's true. I mean, you I got, should be I, sitting on your tuchus doing nothing. Yeah, be waiting to start somewhere. Um, and, and you know, so much so that I actually got sunburned today. So Wow. Is uh, it the first sunburn of the year? Mm, it is. is, it is do do farmers have like a special name for that? They're called like <laughs> I your don't think so. like your 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 virgin burn. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't uh, like that. The only uh, only sunburn phrase I know for farmers is the one that I coined, which is the farmer tramp stamp, which is the sunburn you get right on your lower back when you're planting and stuff and you're bending forward and your shirt rides up, it happens to everybody and you end up with a sunburn right along your waistband. And that pretty much will always be for the rest of the season. will be the darkest spot on your back. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> thank you. So where did uh, you get your burn? This is just, just my arms. And then actually, see, this is another thing I'm, I'm struggling with <laughs> every season is I like to wear a hat when I work. And right now, usually it's a baseball hat that's on backwards and then I get uh, some sun to my face. And then if I'm not careful, I end up with that really cool thing where I have a really pale forehead. And uh, and I get this nice red line right through the middle of it. So I'm, I should be trying to avoid that. And I think I've already I've already messed up. Max, I have an important <laughs> question. And this is going to win me some serious brownie points back home. But uh, mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why I'm doing it. Why aren't you Sunscreen. wearing sunscreen? I'm going to. I'm going to buy some tomorrow. It's March, man. I should have put sunscreen on in March. There's rules. What, sun <laughs> sun doesn't come out in the winter? Not as much. Not to the point where it's that's, burning me like this. I that is I don't think that's how sun works. I mean, I'm sure you can get, but I'm not used to getting sunburned in March. And so I didn't even I didn't even actually it crossed my mind about halfway through the day and I was thinking, ooh, it's real warm out here. Uh I wonder if I'm getting sunburned. And then I did that thing where I looked closely and I saw the the subtle pink hue. Yeah. I was like, oh no. That's too late at that and, point. Uh, it's oh, it's definitely too late. Um and so, I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow will be different. I will put sunscreen on. All right. Uh, mom, Very don't good. worry. <laughs> Emily, what do you think? What do you think, huh? Asking about sunscreen. Got to be proud of me. So what were you doing outside? You, you said you weren't really doing much farming, but you were out there enough to get burned. So what, what gives? Uh, today, specifically, I was. <laughs> Wait, we didn't check in, dude. <laughs> no, we're jumping right into it. Huh. Do you have a check-in round question for us? I, it's going to throw us way off what we are talking about, but we can so do what it. What has that ever stopped us? That's true. That's true. We'll come back to farming. We have a lot of time for that. Um, but, okay, I do have a check and run question. Okay. Um, what was – because I've been just li- always looking for things to read, okay. and I was wondering what was the best thing you read last – we'll say last year. Hmm. For those that don't know, you are an avid reader. You you set lofty goals for your reading every year. Um, I do. You read a lot for work, but I know you – have tried started to read for enjoyment more as well. Yep. So, what you can even make that two categories. You can think the best work based book you read last year, and then something else. No, I'll, I'll just hit like one or two generally. You want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. This is gonna make me sound super pretentious, and I'm just gonna oh, I love re- it. lean into it and just go with it. Uh, so, the best book I read last year is this little uh, this little quick read called War and Peace by a gentleman I've heard named of that. Leo Tolstoy. Yeah, it's a, it's a real writer. quick, real quick read. <laughs> yeah, a little indie writer, um, author, self-published, probably. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, I guess if you may have heard of it, um, there's probably a reason. What else? Something maybe a little bit less, um, just 
insufferable insufferable that's the word i'm you you can hear me my 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 speaking get bad because i'm scrolling through the books that i read last year because i can't remember them ever uh i mean i reread dune and i really liked it and i'm very excited for the movie to come out this fall that's not to the fall I'm pretty sure. And they launched fall. that. They launched that trailer real early. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They giving people. They're giving people time at home to read the Ooh, book. Ooh, I got one more. I got one more. Right. This might be one of yours, actually. But uh, Barbarian Days. Oh yeah, William I Finnegan. That. That's a great book. So good. Maybe want to surf so bad. After I read that, yeah. during and after reading that book, my YouTube uh, recommendation algorithm got all messed up because all <laughs> I was doing was watching surfing videos. I do. I have never surfed in my life, but I loved watching yeah. these surfing videos when I read that book. I used to, I mean, every now and then I'll read a book and it's just that, I mean, that's how you know it was a good book, but you instantly just get super into that thing. Yeah. Uh, one right. of those being yeah. like, like, well, I, this isn't my favorite book of last season or last year, but it was the one that you had recommended, which was a Michael Pollan book where a place of my own, um, building, yeah, his own writing cabin in the woods. And I did think afterwards, like I need to, I should learn how to do, I need to build stuff. <laughs> um, luckily that, that, that faded away quickly, but <laughs> Um, for me, well, at the top of my list, always, I reread, uh, East of Eden last year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's only my second time reading it through all the way. Um, but at the farm, we all been talking about like our favorite books and just talking about it made me realize I didn't really remember what happened in it very well. And then I really enjoyed it. So I, I reread that last year, you get which good, then get good and sad. Yeah, man, there's so much more dying in that book than I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, it felt like it was written by like George R. R. Martin. Like everyone – it seems like everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I didn't remember that that well. That kicked off me reading a lot more um, – a lot of Steinbeck, which I've, I've read a lot of his work. And I'm a deep dive person, and when I get into an author, I try to read um, a lot of – if I really like them, all of their work that I can find, including like short stories and long articles and things like that. Um, so I've done that for him uh, Truman Capote. And then I'm actually on my way to doing it for, uh, Vonnegut right now. Um, nice. but every now and then I pick up like a, I just hear like, I see a Steinbeck book for sale, um, through my, my world of Instagram used booksellers that I follow. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I have one right now, which is like, I think it's called the unknown God or a God unknown or something. Never heard of it before by Steinbeck. Um, and then the one other one from last year, uh, there was one called, uh, the Nickel Boys, which is by Colson Whitehead. Um, really interesting story about – it's a fiction based in a realistic – a real um, story from a uh, boys' reform school in Florida in like the 50s and 60s um, where a lot of young black teens were sent. And in the future and eventually I think in like the late 90s, they started to really discover kind of all the heinous things that really went on there. Um, and the book is just super compelling. He's a really great author. Um and it was just, I don't know, it was such a perfect mix of uh, educational and just like also a really good novel. Cool. So, recommend it. We sound anyway. so <laughs> cultured and so well read. Look at us. Mm-hmm. Look I know. at us. Well, just a couple of little, I mean, couple in, little literature boys. I know. Well, I, I didn't even tell you. I mean, like, my bookshelf over here is just waiting for me to uh, uh, start reading some of those those Russian guys that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, War, War and Peace is waiting for me, but I don't know if I'm ready to feel so sad. War and Peace, uh, it's I'm, not that sad, really. Okay. It's I know. it's just epic. It, I mean, it's epically long, and it covers a long period of time, and it takes a while to, like, start to get your – start to figure out who everyone is and, like, how they're related mm-hmm. to each other. But once, you, you know, you get to that point in a book where you see someone's name and you stop thinking, like, oh, right, who is this again? And you just have – sense memory of like who they are and how they act and like what their deal is once you've gotten to that point in the book and which for me was like probably 100 150 pages in then from there on it was like just a really interesting good story and it wasn't like overly sad i mean i guess it's kind of like broadly sad and like human condition sort of thing but it wasn't it's it wasn't like a grapes of wrath type situation okay i think it's because i've been uh well what i know they're just like Dostoevsky and and you know Tolstoy and all them can be very like heavy books. Mm-hmm. They're heavy writers. I mean, it's certainly a heavy um, book. Yeah, yeah, literally but, and um, figuratively. <laughs> but um, I did. I've been reading, or I read a book of short stories by uh, Dostoevsky, and I was just like, wow, every character he he writes and creates 
is is very very sad um but that probably stems from his personal life where he was kind of sent to a gulag for a while and things like that and so i'm sure it is very uh personal and why his stories were that way yeah i mean um, the russian but, russian like classical uh uh writers are not known for being a cheery bunch uh, necessarily yeah, russians generally i don't think are, are known as being overly cheery folks yeah that's true um well we're checked in now Look, we I think we're corner. realizing that we should maybe start a um, a, a books podcast because we. I'd so, be so. I'd be into that. All right. So you're doing stuff. You're. I see things. You're making beds. Very good. Every day, every morning you wake up, you should make your bed. You're burning mm-hmm. things. You're you're rotating chickens, which I want to hear that process. Like you pick up each chicken and like kind of spin it around in space. Like what does that do for the chicken? I knew you were going to pick apart all these little like short <laughs> ways that I wrote what I've been doing on the farm. Um. We could start with chicken rotating. That was just the quickest yeah. way for me to write down <laughs> what we've been doing with the chickens. And I think I mentioned how um, they are in like a – the hutch they sleep in every night is a movable hutch. Um, it's called a chickshaw, which is a great a great like term. Like a rickshaw? Um, yep. <laughs> it's a rickshaw but for chicken. <laughs> uh, so it's got like two big bike tires, a huge handle on it, and you can basically move it around pretty easily with all – uh, 30 or 25 or so chickens slash goose well, you inside. Yourself, you got yourself a chicken wagon. Mm-hmm. And uh, the goal being that, you know, you can move them around pretty easily to get them to different parts of your farm. Right. I think you um, moved them somewhere so that they would poop on your ground and make it good. Yes. Yeah. So I think I did mention a little bit that yeah. that's at last podcast that, that what we were starting to do. Um, so I've just been kind of keeping up with that which is actually i mean it's quite a bit of work um real quick so, before you get any more into this can i just propose something for at some point something that i want you to do in this podcast mm-hmm. i want you at some point some you know in the next year or so describe make up a just bullshit farming thing and try to get it by <laughs> me all right okay yeah, like, I, I feel like with chicken rotating, like that little joke, that bad joke I made, if you would come yeah. out with like a totally like serious tone of voice, I'm like, yeah, you know, I yeah. have to rotate the chickens. It's important. It's like so the eggs come out right or something. I would have yeah. I would have been right along there with you. Um, and I, I just yeah. want to see if you can slide one by me. I OK, I'm pr- I probably will be able to. I'll try and think of something because um, okay. there I'm are some my toes. Some- <laughs> there are some phrases every now and then you're gonna be like that's not real right and i'm like no that's that one's actually real we actually do that um so part of the reason that you move so i'm, I'm moving the chickens every three days um from a to a new pasture area and basically you know their pasture is it's a hundred foot of fence um so you know making a pretty large area and i'm always kind of outlining a section of one of our fields um, that's not currently tarped or anything. So there's weeds growing. Some of them have cover crops growing. Um, one, it's to obviously get them eating things other than just grain and the feed that we have. Um, but you don't. What's I don't want to graze like them. To eat? For, a lot of corn. A lot of corn. And all all livestock eats corn. <laughs> what about <laughs> the least, when they're not eating grain? What I mean, like if you're, what are you trying to get them to eat out in the pasture? It is. It is most. I mean, they're actually like their preferred thing is like insects and stuff in the soil. Um, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the so the actual chicken dance is wrong. It's not how these chickens dance, and they do a lot. Their their move is they do the thing where they kick once with the left foot, kick once with the right foot, and then they shimmy backwards to see what they uncovered, and then they peck down and eat whatever they whatever they discovered. Um, so like you me watch at them. breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> you stand at the table. <laughs> yep. Um, so you actually stand there and watch the field. You see all these chickens doing the kick, kick, and then shimmy. Um, and anyway, so they're usually looking for things in the soil, but they will eat down um, specifically Flossie too. She's supposed to be – I guess her diet is supposed to be more greens-based and maybe she's angry because she's not getting enough greens. Um, but uh, so anyways, they're, they're out there kind of eating down some of the grass. They're not as good at it as like what I had pictured in my head, which was like I'd put them in this area that has a lot of weeds growing. In three days, I'd move them and the, <laughs> the weeds would be gone. They're not goats, um, man. I know they're not goats or like pigs would do that too. Um, I mean, pigs like wreck a space. Like they, you know, they root around. That's their whole thing. Chickens are not big on like really ripping things out by the roots, which is fine. Um, if anything, it just slows down the process Wait, of the weeds growing. Is rooting, the verb rooting to take something up by its roots. I mean, that's that's kind of what I would think of. Or they get down, like, you know, when they're rooting around, like like they're actually like under the plants basically they're in the soil kind of moving stuff around with their nose time um, for some etymology <laughs> okay um 
But anyways, I'm rotating the chickens. I can't leave them in any spot too long because they will – I don't want too much chicken poop. There is a thing as too much. No. Um, It is – yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) uh, Basically, I meant that um, it is incredibly nitrogen-heavy and uh, and, and phosphorus-heavy. It's very ammonia-based. And basically, that stuff can actually – really heat up your soil and not become accessible to the plants um so there's always a balance you mean, I mean, like Nate, literally heat up your soil or is that like a, it will a phrase it will, but meaning also, a different like, thing a little bit of both like i think it, it does physically like hold heat and, and it's not as good for the soil but it also it will pretty much like hinder the, the roots ability to absorb um, what they actually need because they're getting this like raw form of a nutrient in way too high of quantities one of the earliest mistakes Nate and I ever made in gardening um, back at home at mom and dad, I think it might have been the first year, we made two big mistakes. The first one was we bought – or someone was – you know, a chicken farmer had like bags of like chicken manure. And we're like manure is great. That's what you're supposed to put on fields. And But chicken manure, like I was just saying, is, is more specific and not great in large quantities. And we just like – we just like slathered that stuff out there into the beds and it smelled terrible. We like worked into the soil and we could not figure out why like things did not do well at all. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I've learned farming is that you, you can have too much of just like, Oh, it's really nutrient dense, but it's, it's actually overwhelming, uh, overstimulating to the plants. Hmm. Um, so anyways, that's kind of the, oh, what's the, the other major thing. mistake that you guys made? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to move past it, but yeah, the other one that can happen also on a farm is we bought, Hay instead of straw. Do you know the difference between the two? One kills me. <laughs> That's true. Well, hay, hay is bad for you, huh? I'm pretty sure it's hay that that is bad yeah. for me. Hay's like has all oh. sorts of like stuff in it, right? Like alfalfa yeah. and other grasses. Yeah. So straw is supposed to be like the dried stalks of something before it starts, before its seeds are viable. So whether that's you know oats or rye or something, you grow it, it starts to dry out, and then before the seed head can produce, you cut it down. And ideally, that is great for putting under plants, for mulching, for doing all these different things because it should just be stems, no seeds. Great for hay rides. Wait, are hay rides mostly straw? They should be called straw rides. I think mostly (laughs) – I think most of them now – I mean it's – basically everything has seeds in it for the most part. It's very hard for people to grow like pure straw uh, it seems. Um, and I don't know, maybe some big farmer out there would tell me that there's no such thing as straw and everyone was lying. <laughs> there's always been yeah. seeds and everything, but, um, hay has a lot of seeds in it. And if you take hay and you put that in your field, um, you, you are going to grow, grow a lot a bunch of stuff. <laughs> you're growing, yeah, you're growing different types of oats and rye and alfalfa and you will spend more time weeding your mulch that you put down to stop the weeds. Um, and so that is definitely that another seems, thing that we did. That seems problematic. Unless it you're is, trying to grow a mix of those things. Yeah. So, um, well, I don't know how I got on that, <laughs> that rabbit hole. But anyways, um, we're moving the chickens around. They're they're happier. They're making a mess. Um, the fields are super muddy. It's kind of a mess out there. Um, but they're they're definitely happier, I think. But who's to say? How do you Hard measure? to tell, how does, right? one, <laughs> how does one measure chicken happiness? I don't know. Whew, uh, philosophical. <laughs> yeah, scientists are trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Um so that's chicken rotating. Um, the thing I did today that got me all sunburned was uh, I'm – this process is very old-fashioned and maybe not uh, the best and leanest way to do it. But it's kind of what I did because I just – it's too wet in the field to get my little walk-behind tractor thing in there. Um, I think it could do this process, but I'm making permanent beds in the field. Um, and what that means is essentially I'm measuring out – with a tape measure, a three-foot bed, a 12-inch pathway, three-foot bed, 12-inch pathway, and all throughout the field. And marking that off with twine and stakes, and then I go with a shovel, and I just kind of dig out, not super deep, but dig out the pathway, throwing the soil onto the beds. And basically, that just permanently defines the beds every season. This is where exactly where the bed should be. Mm-hmm. Um, if so you, you just have till, that before? It was just tilled up so There were a couple... Of, yeah, pretty much. There were a couple spots on the farm where you could kind of see the remnant of the bed from the year before. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the main fields were just, you know, at the end of the season, they were all tilled and thrown a co- put a cover crop down on just kind of everything like you would do on like a, a very big farm, um, which is totally fine when you're working on a bigger scale. But the main reason I'm doing this, well, there's a couple, but the main reason I want a permanent bed every year is because 
compost is our most expensive input. Um, we put it down on every bed when we go to plant. Um, right. You don't want to compost pathways. Pathway. Um, and, yeah. you know, so if we're already spending, you know, a $700 delivery of compost to the farm, I don't want to be putting it down in pathways. It's just, it's not going to, I mean, eventually it would probably work its way close to enough that some of the roots will get in it, but you'd rather just like put that where it matters, where the money's coming from. So that's kind of the main reason. Um, there's a lot of other reasons of just like that soil will stay loose. Ideally it'll be, have less weeds because we'll only be working the same spot. We won't be accidentally incorporating stuff from other areas of the farm. Um, so I did that today. I didn't get, <laughs> didn't get very far cause I'm a, a lone man doing this and then digging really, really heavy, wet soil from all the rain we've had um, and lifting it and throwing it onto a bed is a, is a grueling process. So I basically marked four beds today. Uh, they're 50 feet long. Um, and that took about two hours of, of doing that. So not the worst thing in the world, but um, question, it's, it's slow question going. Question for you. Yes. So I know you haven't really worked at a farm where you are so low. When mm-hmm. you started out this morning, how far did you think you were going to get? <laughs> I was being realistic because I had done this process before. Okay. Um, I, here's the thing. I'm definitely rethinking. My plan is like I was going to hand shovel over time every bed on the farm, which is probably 80-something beds. I did I did four today. Um, <laughs> four, four, four beds. Um, specifically thinking like – I have the time in March right now. I can, you know, I'm starting seeds, but I'm not planting any in the field. I can't yet. Like I have this downtime and if I want to get eight hours in and really want to feel like I'm doing something like I could be doing this task. Um, so <laughs> I, I will continue to do some of them by hand, but if it turns out that things can get dry enough, um, there, we do have an attachment for the walk behind tractor that I think will throw soil to the side um, kind of like a moldboard plow, which is a, a farm attachment. Sounds like a um, snowblower. <laughs> yeah, basically. And it, you know, it'll pitch the soil to the side. It's not, it won't be as pretty probably as like when I do it by hand, but I think that will be quickly offset by the speed at which I can do it. Um, so we'll see. Gotcha. I will probably, I will probably, <laughs> I'm making a prediction if, that an ongoing theme of this year are going to be, is going to be you severely underestimating how long it's going to take to do things. I mean, yes, definitely, definitely could be it. I mean, also I've, I've surprised myself with like how much I can get done in one day as well. Um, yeah. it hasn't really been pushed to the limit yet, but like just like setting out my mind and maybe it's cause I'm like, just sometimes tasks loom, you know, they're just like, there's so much baggage with even getting them started that the thought of like this, this task is huge and this will take What's forever. What's an example of, of one of those tasks that looms for you? <sighs> There's one that's been looming over my head, and I'm going to tackle it tomorrow, but for like a couple weeks now. But um, basically, I'm growing tomatoes inside of one of our hoop houses. I need to install a trellis system inside that the tomatoes can grow up to. Um, and basically, the the simplest version to describe that is over each bed, which is three, I'm going to hang these little like metal um, hangers, these hooks. I'm going to run a wire through the holes in them, and then I'm going to fasten the wire to the end walls. And if it's super strong and, and sturdy, then the plants can hang from that down, you know, to go from the soil up to that. Um, it's just a matter of one. I had to, like, it was just, I, I didn't know, I knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't realize, like, you know, am I going to do this all, piece it out by hand, go to the hardware, buy all these individual pieces. I knew there was this farm company that provided this trellising type of system. Um, and, you know, a part of me was trying to do the thing where it's like, well, they're charging, you know, this many dollars for one of those, and I need three. Uh, you know, how much cheaper could I do it if I did it myself of finding all the different pieces? And then it's the thing that I think is going to be a, a theme for the year, which is just like, no, they've already got all the stuff pieced together. <laughs> they know exactly what I need to do this. They comes with a little manual telling you how to install it. I'm just going to spend the 40 bucks per thing for that. Um, and that's what I did. So I bought that yesterday. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to go in there and try and like get this trellis system installed. Once it's installed, it's done. Like it's there. It's not going anywhere. Right. Not a process I'm going to have to redo. Like it'll be worth it. Um, and, and, and I think we'll see, I'll report next week when I'll be like, wow, that took forever. <laughs> and maybe I'll be like, wow, that actually did take, you know, a half a day or a whole day. Yeah. Um, but so that's one of those ones. And, and I think these making the beds is going to be a thing that's going to be on my to-do list forever. I'm hoping that, you know, if there's days when I get a little bit of help out there, like three people out there with shovels, we're all just chatting and like listening to music and everyone's doing a pathway. I mean, I think I'll be surprised at how quickly I could knock out a field or two. But we'll see if that ever actually comes to, to fruition. 
Okay. But um, other one, oh, the other one, the other one that probably looks a little weird is uh, a burning landscape fabric, which I wish I took a video of this, but I was I was one man while I was doing it. I needed a film crew. Um, but this is, I mean, this is done on lots of farms, uh, specifically small scale farms. Landscape fabric is this like tightly woven um, plastic um, fabric-y kind of stuff that is a bunch of these little individual black threads. And it comes in different widths. Um, it's permeable to water, but it blocks most weeds. You put it over a bed, and then you either cut or burn a hole in it for where your plant should go. And then every season you can reuse them, hypothetically, for up to 10 seasons uh, if you store them well and take care of them. Um, so there's certain crops that all farms, a lot of farms seem to put on landscape fabric. One of those is sweet potatoes. Um, I don't know if it's just to... Because it's, it's something to do with, it seems like, all the sprawling plants, like uh, winter squash, watermelons, those are really common to have on landscape fabric. Um, and obviously there's, I mean, huge value in a thing like this where if I put this down, the only area I should ever have to weed in that bed is the little circle that I burned into the into right. the fabric. Um, so knowing that and, you know, knowing that I should be able to reuse it in future seasons and if I'm, I know I'm going to be growing consistent crops every year um, – if I and the other thing is obviously when you burn a hole like that's permanent. <laughs> Make sure you know you're burning. You're making sure you're burning the the size hole or the spacing that you need or things like that. You know, um, not every crop is one row down the middle, twelve inches apart. You know, um, but a lot of crops that you would like to put on landscape fabric are. So you can kind of do that knowing like okay, this is this is versatile. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I, yesterday I, I did that and that was actually a task that went way quicker than I thought. I mean, in an hour and a half I burned. What do you like? How do you burn it? So you use like a like a handheld propane torch. So it's a little like propane canister that has a little torch end to it. And um, there's people do a bunch of different methods for actually like burn it because you just if you just put that torch down to the thing, like it'll just start melting and it'll just go kind of everywhere. Like it doesn't have anything to restrict the shape of what you're burning. Um, some people use like plywood templates where they drill a bunch of holes with like a paddle bit and then they burn that. You know, um, here's what I did, and I felt. I had done this at another farm, um, and I was looking around thinking, like, I'm sure we have the stuff here to do this. And so I took a can of baked beans, and I poured those out into a bowl, and I washed my, my, my baked bean can, took off the outside paper. I cut a hole in the bottom of it, so now it was open on both ends. And then I took a pair of pliers and bent the top a little bit, so I'd have a little handle, like, using the pliers to hold the top. And then I... That's what I, that was my shape. That's what I followed. So <laughs> I had a propane torch in one hand and pliers holding a, a baked bean can in the other and used that to burn my circles. And then I had a wooden stake that I had measured 12 inches and then put a Sharpie mark. And that's what I used as my measuring stick. And so I would push <laughs> the measuring stick till it lined up right, burn a hole, slide it, burn a hole, um, and did that uh, 300 times. Um, I burned six pieces of fabric that way. Huh? And yeah, and so and then basically so now and this is kind of what I'm one of my bullets there says like these are the kind of t things that I keep reminding myself that if I do them now like the season later on will be so much easier if it comes to be sweet potato planting day I have the slips um, which is what the sweet potato little plants are called when you buy them um, they're not grown from a seed um, I'm sure they can be but <laughs> that's not how most farmers somebody do. does it um, <laughs> someone does it but um. <laughs> Basically, a slip is uh, – imagine how your potato at home grows off you know, the creepy little arms. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing on a sweet potato. You can let it do that and then you can Oh, I know. That, Sometimes that I leave sweet potatoes at home for too long. And, and now you, here you are. You're a sweet potato seed or a slip su su <laughs> supplier. You can sell those <laughs> or put those in the ground. Uh, you basically break those off and then you can put them in the ground. Um, but so yeah, so now knowing that I've burned these holes and done all this process now – when I go to plant later, like I have all the fabric I need to do this right away. And I'm trying like same with the same thing with the trellis. Like tomatoes are not going in the ground tomorrow. Um, but when I go put them in the ground, like everything will be there to hopefully make it be a quick process and not one of those tasks that will loom over my head. If I had to burn all the holes, plant the sweet potatoes, put irrigation down, like all of that in one day, like I, I would I knowing myself, I would dread that for a very long time. Right. Um, so I'm trying hard to push myself to do these types of things to set myself up for some decent success when I know that I won't have all this free time. Um, right. 
you know, come, come May, I should be pretty busy and I foresee myself being pretty busy. Um, so these next couple of weeks are going to be me saying like, oh yeah, I, you know, marked 20 beds and I did this and, you know, I fixed all the holes in my irrigation or I, you know, I repaired the rope on the caterpillar tunnel today. Like that was kind of stuff that just like right. will stuff you don't want to have to mess with once you're into the, into the real stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of like, I mean, it's not the most interesting podcast material, <laughs> but, um, it's just, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of what my life is right now. I mean, I do have like a couple, you know, true farmery things going on. I have started a bunch of seeds, you know. Um, I have a couple crops in the ground inside one of the tunnels. Um, you know, those couple things make me remind me that like, okay, I'm still farming, but the rest of it feels like uh, like being a maintenance man right now. But have you uh, stood around with some jute in your mouth and talked about the weather with any other farmers? Uh, I haven't. I mean, I personally, I. I'm very interested in the weather every day anyways, but uh, I haven't, I haven't talked to other farmers about it or leaned against a shovel. What do you uh, do? I did le- oh, go ahead. No, as I said, I did lean against a shovel today, but I was missing the, I was missing the juice. <laughs> All right. I hate that. Yeah. What do you what do, you do to track the weather? Do you like, are you just kind of like looking at an app or like reading the paper? What do you, how do you, um, how do you track the weather? I, I do just use an app right now. I should probably pay and get like a good weather app. Oh, I got, uh, I got suggestions for you. Yeah, I'm open to them because I think that's what I should. I mean, Weather Underground is like the one that people um, used to. I always recommend more than the Weather Channel or something. I'm a big, uh, big carrot weather fan. Oh, you're a carrot guy, huh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm usually like I will check an app and look at like the four-day forecast at least. Every now and then I'll look farther out just seeing if there's any low temperatures predicted like that are scary low or something that's going to be a problem for uh, you know me having to kind of prepare for it. But um, – I mean, during the season, I probably pull up the weather app a couple times a day. <laughs> Back when I was a deck man. Yeah. You become very just, aware you, of the weather when your whether or not you work or what your work day is going to be like it really depends on the weather. Exactly. And it really, I mean, it determines when, like more specifically, when I'm harvesting crops. Like I can't, I can't or shouldn't harvest certain crops that are wet or in the rain. Um, tomatoes, you should not be picking your tomatoes when the plants are wet. Why? When anything is wet like that, because there's a billion diseases that can get uh, that can kill tomato plants, and the main vector for all disease and bacteria is water. Um, so if you are wa- walking through your tomato plants all wet, and you're you know basically running into all these plants, and especially if there's one plant that already has a disease, and you're you know, basically you're just like sneezing it. all over the plants. Yes. So you know, even in the summer on a normal day. In the morning, you know, it's dewy. We're picking a bunch of other things. You know, you're picking different plants. You're usually saving all of your fruiting, summer crops, peppers, tomatoes, summer squash, thing, cucumbers, things that are really susceptible to disease until they're dry, which hmm. stinks because it usually means you're picking them in 80-degree heat. Um, but that's like one of the things that, you know, weather is very important for that. And, you know, there's times where you have to change, you know, or <laughs> as we know, if my, my hate of wind, like – Sometimes there are things you can do to like really like lock things down. If you can see two days from now, there's going to be 50 mile per hour winds. Get out there and give all your plants a pep talk. Mm -hmm. Yep. You put a little, you put a little stake and prop them all up. Um, I'm thinking more structures and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, so I am, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the weather, the weather apps all the time. And, you know, at certain farms, it was awesome where I had a really good westerly, a westerly view, which I really enjoyed. Um, I like to kind of watch the things roll in, um, and here my my porch has got a great a great southwester view westerly view. So uh, I'm excited for. It. I mean, but we did like when I alluded to rain and everyone I'm sure across the country is getting their own crazy weather, but obviously we had snow and ice. You know, two weeks ago, this past week we had um, four plus inches of rain um, in two days, like in two basically rain periods, uh, a lot of flooding and stuff like that around. Um, and so just, you know, watching things like that is, is, you know, it's going to become more and more common too. Um, and, and I'm enjoying just trying to like figure out the weather of a new area. Um, right. th- thunderstorms in March are not a thing I had to really deal with in Michigan. Yeah, um, so, so much. but, right. uh, well, the question that we're, everyone's asking, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just be the voice of the people here is, um, how's Flossie? <sighs> She's... <laughs> Well, here's do we do we tackle 
that she might be a he, and we're not sure yet. That I mentioned <laughs> I that. Re- I think you mentioned it. Can't <laughs> okay. remember if it was on the podcast or not. But. Yeah. So we'll we'll call. I keep calling Flossy a she for now until we um, can confidently say that, that it is not a female. And how does um, one confidently confirm that, Max? Wait until you get past the period where there should be eggs. Like Flossy will lay an egg if she is a female at some point. Hmm. Um, we're very close to already not that not necessarily the deadline, but the start of when she should be laying an egg. Um, so the next two months, if we're not seeing any, and they're noticeably bigger, like a goose egg is, you compare the two, you, you should be able to tell, um, unless she's sneakily laying like little chicken sized <laughs> goose eggs. <laughs> in that case, I don't know. Unless I catch her in the act. I have no way to figure it out. Uh, but, um, Flossie, uh, here's, here was my big hope. And I think I mentioned this getting Flossie out in those green pastures, the beautiful fields, uh, you know, off the wood chips, uh, of their run, like really let her, you know. Let her be about in her her natural element. Thought that'd help, you know. I thought that would be kind of a mood change. Um, and yeah, no, uh, no, no. Still, we are still enemies. Uh, we still fight. She bit my hand today. Um, I didn't think she. I didn't. I had the I had the garbage can lid. I was trying to distract her while Mary Britton was the one over there grabbing eggs and like, kind of like I was, I was sidetracking Flossie being a team player and as i was saying something and kind of looked away for a second flossy like went just went for kill. kill i went right for my pinky finger um it's fine i still have a pinky finger i i can't speak it for the rest of the season if i will end with all 10 fingers <laughs> or 10 toes but um i think you just need no. to get in there and have a heart to heart oh my you should sit down you, come visit me get come up, right sit, now sit, sit backwards on a chair just I'm get down on her level and just have a chat with flossy you just broke the thing you just said is exactly what I tell you not to do on all goose. <laughs> I don't know. Husbandry websites will tell you never get on the goose's level. Well, maybe she just needs a goose <laughs> husband. Maybe a goose lover. If maybe anything, she's flirting with you. I man, that's a real aggressive. I mean, like I get it. Sometimes that's how people do it, but that seems one. She's doing it to everybody, which is making me feel not special. <laughs> right. Um, if I know that Flossie's running around just just doing yeah. this to everybody, um, so I don't know what the future holds for our relationship and how I should go about dealing with it. If anyone else has an idea, but like if you haven't dealt with a goose, I don't know if I really want your opinion because I tell you this, it's not you can't. I don't want Sam's opinion. I'm not going to get on its level. I'm not going to get down low. Um, yeah, that's where we stand currently. I mean, you, you could know. wear like a helmet with a face mask. Okay, my face is never what's in danger. It's all my down lower on, body. But if you're down on her level. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to wear a football helmet or anything because I think her little beak could still get no, through there. No, you've got to wear like a fishbowl. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if I ever get to the point where I put on full equipment, a helmet, and get down on Flossie's level, we'll know who really won. I'd be worried uh, <laughs> for the day that she learns that she could chomp you right in the crotch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, me too, man. Me too. No, she's <laughs> tall enough. Wearing a, start wearing a cup. I mean, at that point, Flossie's just going to be relocated. She's going to get a new home. <laughs> we're going to find someone else that has <laughs> someone else is going to have have geese, and we're going to give them one yeah, more geese. We're going to have a big Christmas dinner, goose goose based Christmas dinner. That's you know what that is definitely an option still on oh the table. <laughs> if, I wonder if they're. Oh, can you can you imagine Easter. eating an, eating an animal you hate? Like I've, never met, really I've never met any of the animals that I've eaten, but I can only imagine eating an animal that you hate must be like really satisfying. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've truly – at all the other places I've worked had animals. I mean I did. I hated the chickens at Sealy Farm, but I could not ever pick out a specific chicken because we raised you know 75 of them or right. 150 of them. I would never be able to tell that I ate the specific one that was awful to me. But Flossie is a whole different story. Yeah. Well, um, but we'll I shouldn't, I shouldn't, story. yeah, I shouldn't keep, you know, bringing this up until someone else hears me talking about it and Flossie goes missing. <laughs> Wait until so. Flossie hears this. She's not yeah, she's, she's super big in a podcast. Yeah, you're going to look out there and Flossie's going to have a little Walkman with her headphones on lo- looking at you, <laughs> making eyes. I, uh, I do wish, and I'm, and not really, but if someone got video of what my nightly routine currently is. So this is what, so Flossie does have a role. In the chicken herd, we talked about the premise of a goose, and this I can see it in action, which is occasionally she gets them all. She gets them all into like the hutch at night. She is like I think running chickens around. Do that on their own. 
they do, but she will force them. There's a couple like that are like pretty hard headed and don't want to like, like they'll just keep. And she, I've watched it. She chases them around when the sun goes down. She starts to chase them around and she nips at them. And there's um like every now and then there's that one chicken that always gets out, and then the chicken wants back in. The chicken will run up and along the fence line back and forth. And Flossie tries to bite the chicken through the netting, like to kind of like nip at it to like you know get it back in there. And when I pick up the chicken and throw it back in there, Flossie chases the chicken. <laughs> To like, to like basically scold it for like, how dare you get out, you know, yeah. like, look what you've done. And anyways, so she does that every night. And then she usually stands right outside the hutch. Like she won't go in on her own until she sees me come to close up, um, which is super frustrating. I wish I could just come out there and she'd already have tucked herself to bed, but she like basically needs to be told. And so I come out there. <laughs> she needs to she do one it, last thing just to show that me. she's in charge. <laughs> really? That's what it is. And she... So I step out. She starts making a she's making a racket and she's making all of her noises, and uh, then I I say like Fossey, go to bed. I kind of like say her name a couple of times, and she'll like kind of walk up the ramp. But for some reason, inside the hutch, all the chickens must be the primo spot to the roost for the night. All of them create a chicken wall along the front. They're like shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> They're playing Red Rover. They're not moving at all. It's a red, that's a chicken red rover, and Flossie's standing there facing them all on her own, the top of the ramp, and they're not moving. And she'll start nipping at them. She'll like be biting them, trying to get them out of their way. And what I, what finally works is what I have to do is I go to the back of the hutch and I talk through it to Flossie, and I keep <laughs> saying her name to make her really angry, and to try and get her to like force her way in. She's bigger than them, and she can force her way in. But I'm not going to go and try and push her in. And, you know, right. the chickens aren't going to part the Red Sea for her. But if I just keep saying her name enough, she, just wants she, just to come gets after she gets so mad that she barrels over all the ones that are in her way and comes running inside the hutch at me. And then I step around and close the door and then walk away. And that involves some nights it's quick. Some nights she can get right through the defensive line. And some nights the chickens hold strong. I think it's because they don't want her in there. I think they're, they don't yeah, like her. I either. don't think I, it doesn't seem to me that Flossie is making many friends. No, and I think maybe Flossie knows that now and is just embracing that this is the role that she plays. But um, but tonight it took a while. It was a lot of you going, Flossie, Flossie, come here, Flossie, come here. And I, I keep saying her name, and I, like I'll try and like make sounds that, that she. I'm trying to find something she really doesn't like. Um, so maybe I'll just play her. Other than your face, yeah. <laughs> Other than my face, yeah. Um, so that is my nightly routine, and thank goodness I don't have any close by neighbors who can hear me just talking, talking to Flossie, just trying to trying to gas her up. So she's so mad she can't keep it anymore. She storms me, and then uh, I wonder the next day when I come out why she's mad at me. <laughs> All <laughs> I want to do she, is talk about Flossie. <laughs> she's <laughs> basically deserving of her own podcast, <laughs> and pretty much the most interesting thing that is currently happening to me on the farm. Yeah, most interesting uh, that's happening to me, and I'm not even there. <laughs> I mean, I'll 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 try and get more footage of Flossie in action. I'll try maybe some footage of of her bullying me, so you can see that yeah. it's it's not like it's not it's not romantic. Yeah, There's nothing we'll romantic. About I'll, the be, I'll be the judge of that. Okay, but anyways, other than that, I think I think that wraps up what I've been what I've been doing on the farm. All right, losing cool. to a goose, losing to <laughs> a goose as always. Yep. But uh, uh, work wise for you, anything anything too exciting? Nope. Back uh back at it. Last week was the retreat, which we talked about, you know, spending some time in virtual reality. This is just a week in regular reality, uh, which is a little bit less fun. But, oh, yesterday I had the perfect day. I had the perfect the per- day. The perfect day was a day with no meetings. Oh, that's exciting. And I did end up having like a quick little check-in with a colleague in the afternoon right after lunch, but it was perfect because it was at 1 o'clock. Uh, which meant that I had a reason to come back from lunch like promptly and it helped me kind of get back into my afternoon. It was quick and easy and fun. And I just spent the whole day like working on this kind of uh, big writing project. And whoo, boy, having a day without meetings is amazing. Yeah, and I don't know I, when it'll ever happen again. <laughs> Today I, mean, I was that's... in a six hour, five hour uh, working session and then I had like two hours of different meetings. Oh, that, that really offsets your perfect day of the day before. <laughs> yeah, really five, five hour. Is it still considered a meeting when it reaches five hours? I think at that point I would usually call it like a workshop or working okay. session or something. Gotcha. I, think, I guess it was more of a. It, it, luckily, it was. Yeah, it was more of a working session, and it it like it didn't require a ton of planning or anything. It was more casual with some of our closest collaborators, and it was basically just more of a 
long conversation, uh, which was fun and different than like a actual workshop. Yeah. So I have to imagine with your, um, with your perfect day with your no meetings, you spent a lot of time on, on social media, on Twitter, uh, uh Instagram. Nice, nice segue. Nice you can't call segue. out the segue, Sam. That ruins the segue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Acknowledge the segue. Sorry. Max, you know what? I don't have Twitter anymore. I don't have Instagram anymore. I don't have Facebook. I don't even have LinkedIn anymore. Oh. Yeah. You took it to the corporate world. Yeah. I, everything, man. It's gone. I'm so, a social media-less man. Avid listeners, though, this is not a new thing for you. I've quit um, things before. It's different this time, though. Yeah, tell me how it's different because you, you – I mean I read your article. It seemed different. You seem right. to be coming at it with a, with a, with a, a new level of uh, yeah. ferocity. But uh, why is it different? Well, there's like – let's see. Well, how In what ways is it different? In the purely practical sense, there have been versions where it's just a matter of like deleting the app off your phone, right? Which doesn't mm-hmm. touch your account at all. Uh, but in the case of, I mean, a long time ago, I deleted my Facebook account. Like I did that literally multiple years ago. So I don't yeah. even have an account. Um, and that's what I did with Twitter. So I literally like, there's not even all my old tweets are gone. My profile Ugh. is gone. If you went to try to find me on Twitter, you, I just am not there. So it's not that I deleted the app. It's that I deleted myself from the service. Um, so it's harder than I think at that point to come back from from that and there's nothing to come back to so yeah. i think in, in some ways it just makes it easier like i burned the boats behind me uh mm-hmm. as they say um and also boats you know with bri- okay bri- i is think it's boats. is that the saying you're it's, burning boats huh burning bridges is, is when you destroy relationships uh, yeah burning the boats is when you are you have a, a you know an invading army that arrived on boats and you burn the boats that you can't leave so your only option is to win oh okay that's gotcha. uh, wow. That's what I, what I guess, kind of what I did. Um, and so you know, when you write, when you write a really long article, um, mm-hmm. really detailing your thinking, uh, it's harder to go back on that. Like I would feel real dumb if I uh, kind of just said uh, "JK" uh, <laughs> and then like was immediately back on on Twitter. So it's gotcha. been now. I did it on my birthday. Um, and I, I mean, I did yourself, it was a gift to myself. That was kind of how I framed it. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in that article, which I think we don't have the time to go through kind of point by point. Um, but the basic gist of it is that for me and the way that my brain chemistry works is that Twitter is the perfect little, um, default time filler. Uh, so if I have, 30 seconds, you know, switching from task to task or an hour, I can easily fill that time somehow on, on Twitter. And mm-hmm. there are, I'm, I am so compelled by, like, I'm, I was good at Twitter in the sense that I followed interesting people who were sharing things that I found interesting. It's not even that I was necessarily a, a super heavy tweeter. It was more of a consumption thing. And I basically just got to the point where I, there are things that I want to write and projects that I want to undertake, you know, this podcast kind of being one of them that require the ability to sit with, and this podcast is not a good example of this because we kind of just show up and, and chat at each other, but there are things speak that your, I want to hey, speak for yourself. Man. <laughs> it's true. You did good prep work. <laughs> thank you. Uh, but there are things I want to create that are interesting to me that are going to require a level of stick that being an active Twitter user may impossible for me. So mm-hmm. I want to develop this ability to be comfortable doing difficult things because my default mo- mode I had noticed was I'd be working on something, I'd get stuck or frustrated or just kind of like hit a hard point. I'd flip over to Twitter for a couple of minutes and then I'd come back to, to the work and you never really get deep into something if you have this really easy escape hatch uh, just yeah. always available to you. So that was like the primary reason with some other things kind of sprinkled in uh, around the side, uh, basically just realizing that this thing that has provided some positive things for me in in my life and in my career was actually just doing more harm than good uh, at this point and deciding that I just didn't want it around uh, anymore. 
Gotcha. Have you noticed that, like, in your article you mentioned, like, kind of embracing, like, potential boredom or, like, moments where, like, oh, this is normally when I'd be, like, on Twitter. Have you either – do you, have you found something to fill that with? Like, do you, like – I mean, you're not really going out into, like, public per se, but you're, like, no. bringing a book with you or something. But, like, is there something else that is that has filled those one-minute sessions up to an hour to those 30 seconds? Like, what have you noticed? Like, whether that be boredom or something else you're actually yeah. doing? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I've noticed. So – you know, on the one hand, on the positive side, nothing has filled those because I'm when I get stuck or I'm working on something difficult, I just stick with it. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. actually need a 30 second break or a couple minute break. I just needed to like sit with the discomfort of whatever I'm working on and just like keep working on it. So I've noticed some greater clarity there. I mean, I've noticed things like um, I had gotten to a point where every Red Wing game that I was watching, I'd be like flipping through Twitter at the same time. So, mm-hmm. you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've just been sitting there watching the Red Wings and basically having our group chat open and talking yeah. with all of you, which I think is actually fine. And I'm happy to to do that. That's, um, so, uh, that's like I, a form of torture. <laughs> watching the, watch your, the yeah, current Red Wings with all your attention. I know, I know right? Uh, every once in a while, I'll throw them on mute and listen to a podcast or something. But it's yeah. more like... I'm just doing more things um, mm-hmm. intentionally, which is kind of the whole point. On the on the flip side, you know, I, I I have done this enough times in the past to know to be aware of other things that my brain latches onto to try to fill a similar void or a similar role that Twitter used to fill. And so things like I notice I'm checking my email more. Not great. Yeah. Not, a, not something I want to really be doing, but it's my brain looking for some novelty and seeing if something had landed. I'm checking Slack more, which again, it's basically the same thing as email. Not a great thing, so something I want to be keeping an eye on for, for sure. I've also noticed um, that I've been watching YouTube a little bit more. I was never a huge YouTube watcher, but I've recently, um, kind of unrelated to this, I think, started playing StarCraft II again. Uh, mm-hmm. And have started watching um, like highlights of professional StarCraft II matches on YouTube, and that is that's the thing that has, is the newest thing that has come out of not being on Twitter. I think is that time. Some of that time has gone into like just browsing YouTube more. So definitely need to make sure that doesn't get out of hand because I think there's the a similar possibility if the youtube algorithm really gets its hooks into me i think it Mm -hmm. could end up really um kind of scratching those parts of my brain that twitter was doing a great job of of scratching well uh let me pitch to you uh my newest idea which just came to me you can hire me for this uh you give me your login info for youtube and i just wreck that algorithm for you (laughs) i'm gonna find some stuff (laughs) i'm gonna find some stuff that's wild nothing related yeah. And I would at least put it off your 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 trail for a little while and <laughs> it's buy like you some all time. like children's shows in like a different yeah, language. Yeah, it's gonna be. I've watched Joan watch plenty of Baby Alive. You're gonna see some Baby Alive videos. <laughs> You're gonna get some Mickey Mouse on there. We'll get what? some fishing. I think you something. I think you've stumbled upon a new uh, <laughs> a new professional. Yeah, new gig economy. I think hire me to ruin your algorithm, I, and then therefore yep. you can get away from these uh, these things. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. I might have to take you up on that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we could start a new consulting service. That's just <laughs> algorithm <much> ruiners. <laughs> yep. A lot of hey man, everyone's got every all these different things have algorithms now. They're grabbing onto you, and here we are. We're yep. just ready to 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 attack all of those. Yeah, I so. was just emailing with a with an author who's getting ready to write a book, actually specifically about algorithms and the role they've played in like culture over the last ten years. Uh, so it'll be there's definitely people thinking about that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, cool. It sounds it sounds different this time as someone who has, has heard you talk about other ones <laughs> and seen you go through these. Before. Not that the other ones were bad. It's yeah. never like you well, approach those. And I feel like I actually really people. learned a lot about myself. And I, I think basically all of those more temporary experiments around not using Twitter less or not using it at all for a certain period of time taught me what I needed to know to do it for real. Um, and that's what this one, this one feels yeah. like. They were just, they were practice runs. Yeah. And, and, and Instagram and LinkedIn, I don't know if those will be permanent. Like neither one of those were really huge distractions for me. I'm kind of just interested in the idea of having my website be the only place someone goes 
to learn about me. I've never yeah. really, I don't think, I don't think I've really got any opportunities from LinkedIn that I'm suddenly missing out on. So I like the idea of not being present on any social media. But if you Google my name, uh, my website having like everything you would want to know about me and like all my latest writing and everything like that, just ready to go. So we'll see if those other ones, um, if I stay off of those. But the the, the current thesis is that my website samsperlin.com should be the only place that people need to go to to like know what I'm up to or yeah. um, you know hire me or anything like that. Would um would you say I mean like so obviously to like get your writing out there still unless you're obviously you're doing it through some of the avenues that the Ready has with their own newsletter, your own personal newsletter, but like I mean, you guys got off of Medium, right? Like, you don't put yourself out through Medium. So I've how... been syndicating my stuff through Medium. Okay. So I'll publish ask, first like, how on my website. New, yeah. yeah. How would a new person, like, you know, st- potentially stumble upon your writing yeah. or something if yep. if you weren't using maybe another avenue like that? Because I know Twitter could have been that way where you could totally. throw a link out to your article and people share that to let other people see it. And that's what um, I feel and, like I yeah. missed the most is, like, the, the, the loudest part – the part of my brain that is like, hey, this is a bad idea. What are you doing? You're hurt, you're, like, you're hurting your ability to get your writing or be known more widely is because yeah. I don't have this avenue to share my writing. Uh, what I do have and where I'm really putting my focus on is my newsletter and building that list. And you know, those folks, if they want to share my things on Twitter, like that'd be great. Um, but yeah, I've basically consciously made the decision that I'm not going to have a you know, my Twitter followers as a way to amplify my writing. But if I'm being really honest with myself, I didn't have that big of a following list anyway. And it's not like people were super engaged with the stuff that I was sharing there. So I don't think I'm actually missing out on that much. And if I have to give up a little bit of reach, but it frees up a bunch of creative energy, like that is a a very good trade-off that I will make. Yeah. You might notice a, a, a change in just the quality. If your if your articles writing, are not gonna, yeah, yeah the quality is going to go up. If you know, yeah. like, you know, it's a little bit harder for people to discover this thing, so therefore I'm going to make it very good to kind of instill people to go like, hey, check this out or check yeah. this writing out or I think this article has something really great to say in it. I'll share it personally for sure, and uh, not even just like the quality because the other thing I really believe in is that quantity and consistency actually matter more and if you hit Mm -hmm. if you're if you're very consistent and you're just putting out a ton of stuff you eventually hit some really high quality uh things so i've been i don't don't think i actually said this anywhere but i've been kind of mentally holding myself to publishing a new issue of my newsletter every saturday morning we've this will be our third uh episode in in three weeks publishing it saturday morning so like really trying to hold myself to that that publishing routine Um, and there's some other stuff i want to do around the readies writing and my own writing on my website but for now the kind of commitments i've made to myself are new the deliberate every saturday morning new fields of work every saturday morning yeah so that was even something i noticed through my one year experiment on my personal website that when I was helping to manage the farm in uh, Grand Rapids was, you know, every Sunday I posted basically like it was not necessarily great writing. You know, it was kind of what I just did earlier talking about what, what I've been doing on the farm, but in written form. Yeah. And I wrote that, you know, for 36 straight weeks through the farming season, I wrote an article about yeah. this is what we're doing on the farm. And I will definitely say, I mean, I had ran, run my blog as more of a, a fashion blog before that, but like, I had, you know, had this blog for a while, um, but definitely heard way more feedback um, from my farming writing that I did that was just like weekly where people found yeah. it really interesting versus like what I had for a while thought like, okay, these fashion articles are like I'm putting a lot of thought into these and these are, you know, but I'm only putting one out a month or something um, that the second I started just kind of cranking out consistency one, I found my writing to get more interesting and maybe a little yeah. bit better, but also just the actual feedback I got from people was like, okay, this is Obviously, there's something here when when people are just, you know, saying they're reading it more, um, even though I don't think personally the quality was any necessarily yeah. better. Yeah. No, so. I, that's that's that mirrors my experience uh, as well. Well, sweet, man. I'm excited to, to see what comes from it. I'm a, I'm a deliberate yeah. follower. Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, let me know if you have any feedback along the way. I'll give you a shout I'm out. Always, if you, do you notice that I always mention when we have okay. a new uh, new episode out? 
Yep, I do. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Driving uh, also in no, traffic. Think, yeah, it is. I can. I, or I don't ever look at our our podcast I analytics because I haven't looked at they it. They don't. I'm, part of me pretends that they don't exist because it's probably not even worth looking at. Yeah. And you know what? We do it for this right here. We Sam. Do we do it for the love. The, the love, love of the art and the love of each other. Yeah, I was gonna say each other, but art too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, I think we did the thing. We did the thing. It was nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Uh, This has been Fields of Work. Uh, Have a great evening. Night.